0: Hey, Scotty. No, it's a new year. I'm trying to, to figure out how to get everything turned on so I can start recording,
1: which I am doing now. Are you? I am recording, John. I believe that this is a new decade. There will be a new professionalism, quality, and... Um, uh, for other podcasts, just so not for other us. Other podcasts, <laughs> but probably not ours. You read my mind. That's how in tune we are as co-hosts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, my my dear esteemed colleague and, and buddy Lyle Troxell, um, who runs a, the very, very professional Geek Speak, um, sent out a tweet, I guess. Very good podcast. Very good podcast. It's an excellent podcast. Uh, I think a week ago and, and I very professionally and very lately just replied with, with my podcasting setup, which I'm embarrassed to say consists of this, you know, uh, field recorder, which I sometimes manage to operate, and then a dog in the background that's, you know, Amy Lionheart, who's famously and, and noisily licking herself when when outside, you know, the door is, is the, the clanking of pots and pans and other you know, domestic noises.
1: So. it adds a homely feel to to our um adventures it does it does because
0: we're always on the go if we're not you now walking under the freeway and getting run over um or
1: narrowly avoiding you know bringing peace to our listener by getting run over but we're not supposed to be professional podcasters. we're professional developers who happen to podcast
0: there we go. There we go. Well, Scotty, 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 can I can I be professional developer and uh, and and print a retraction or, or a correction rather?
1: A correction. You mean we got something wrong? Yes. I did get something wrong. Ooh, okay, I'm 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 sure our integrity is out of the window. Um yes. <laughs> I mean, I I don't think we've ever got anything wrong before, have we? No, I don't think so. So there always has to be a first
0: time for something. And so we're going to start off on a good footing.
1: I will let you hang your head in shame and, um,
0: um, and confess all. Okay. Well, I bow my head in shame because I think I talked about, uh, last episode or some number of episodes ago about, uh, rendering a a UI view as an image and dealing with, with, with transparency to make sure you get it because I was trying to insert an image that was created from a, a UI label that has the requisite rounded corners and, and, and color and typesetting that I wanted, um, and that I had noticed that in the original category code, they did not fill the background with a clear color. And I thought, well, okay, that's the reason why I wasn't getting transparency. Um, and and I changed it to, to fill with clear color. And, and in my initial test, it worked. But it was kind of false because it can be sometimes, since it was rather small, it can be sometimes unless uh, difficult unless you blow it up a couple hundred percent to be able to see you know, subtle rounded corners, um, but on other color combinations, it's much more obvious. So I, I put that fix in, and I thought everything was grand, But then a bug report came in, and they and on this particular um, uh, uh, test with a different title, which has a, a more striking background color, it was very obvious. And they said there are these strange four dots in the corner of what you did. And I said that's not possible. And then I went back and looked more carefully at the API and the API for setting up the the graphics context has an argument saying whether the view should be opaque or not, and the default is... uh, yes, it should be opaque, and that's not what you want. So you want it to 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 have a transparent background. That's done as a drawing optimization. So in fact, the background color for any graphics context drawing is in fact transparent. You would have to explicitly set a background color if you wanted one. It's just that if it's set to opaque, there you know it. it, it, it you're you're. Uh, you're going to get the it's going to it's expecting that's going to draw to the edges of the screen, which is not the case if you are applying a, a rounding of the corners of the views layer. Anyway, so it was interesting for two reasons. One is that yes, it's it's very easy to be wrong. Two, it's uh, it's easy to to miss graphic details if if your eyes aren't perfect, and you're talking about twelve point or eleven point type on something that is you know. <laughs> 80 pixels across, 40 pixels across. Um, so sometimes when you're doing screen grabs, just do yourself a favor and enlarge it to, to look very, very carefully at the details. But the other thing too is, is with testing. And this is kind of, I think understandable, um, you test with a certain set of of conditions. It's just normal when you as a developer, you're trying to get something to to verify, does it work? You'll run it through a couple of test cases that you have set up for your convenience. And, And oftentimes that works, but sometimes it makes it harder to find edge cases. And by the same token, Just the mere fact of having other sets of eyes on it, they will go with their normal test cases, and in this case, the guy is a big Star Trek fan, so he always uses the same titles, and and they happen to have, just because they have different color backgrounds, it made it very obvious to him to see that something was wrong. So either, either you have the responsibilities, an individual trying to get maximum number of test cases, or just get different sets of eyes. Um, that's always very helpful. So there's my my retraction and hopeful, helpful hint for 2020 and beyond.
1: I mean, there's a uh, firstly, well, well done for you. Know, it's not a problem if you found it and fixed it, or had it found and fixed. So we nothing. None of us are perfect, particularly us two. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> yeah. it's there. Uh, but uh, I mean, there's always an issue with test data, isn't there? We we tend to create you know, um, getting good test data is quite uh, a problem. Not even test data or getting good tests or the data we choose to use in our tests. We often will choose the same data to do tests because that familiarity allows us to know how to manipulate that data well, meaning we can write tests easier, quicker, more efficiently, whatever else. However, that consistent data can, you know, if it's not broad enough, can sometimes be too narrow to reveal some problems that you could find if you had a broader data set or, or used use different data. Equally, I think familiarity becomes a problem. You know what you, th- you you should be seeing, and I think sometimes you think you're seeing it just because you know what you should be seeing. Whereas That's when entirely the case when you when you are working with unfamiliar data, you're not necessarily so sure what you should be seeing. So you maybe take a little bit more care um in, in that balance but equally you know test testing is about it's supposed to be about consistency that you always get the same result with the same data so i think you know there is an art to i think you know, we've all got a lot better at testing over the last decade and we can say that really sort of like easily now we're in a new decade because or well if, if unless you're one of these people who don't believe the decade starts till the 01 uh, yeah that's a different yeah that's a different argument for somebody else's podcast i think um you know i think te- you know that one of the things that really grew in the last decade was testing it this is in our community anyway and other communities have been there for a long time um but you know maybe our test data skills are still fairly limited for most of us um i would say and then you always get the issue of if you test with live data live data you know if you have a static data set that's all fine but if live data is changing then how do you know your tests are still doing the right thing etc so it's um uh, uh quite a problem we have we've had a problem on um uh, a project i have worked on in the past where um that the test suites run against the qa um data but equally the qa data was being used for a lot of other testing from you know real people testing so actually it is quite possible for uh you know, a a live tester to change something that a test is going to then test is a certain value. (laughs) And this is a case where, you know, in an ideal world, you should set up fresh data for every single test. Um, uh, But that makes things quite slow. And if your data is unreproducible because you're going against the back end or something and it's not mockable or whatever, yeah, this whole thing of data is, is a complex one. So you can be forgiven for not checking it against certain sets of data because we all do it i feel much better already have do you like my new encouraging scotty for the new
0: decade it's very nice um and i have something else to talk about um but it's fairly linky and not directly related to podcast i mean rather not directly related to the development uh, process on our podcast but it is of interest to, to nerds i think go for it well, um some of you know, I know you know that uh, my child is uh, a member of of a, of a first robotics competition or FRC robotics team, um which is something that he got involved with uh last year, and I've only come to realize in the last few months just the, the scope of of this, how big it is, it's across the world and and I think how valuable it is, um which I think that many of our listeners may or rather many of our listeners uh, may already know about, and if not the other partial listener may be interested in it because my gosh, if I had this when I was in high school, how that might have changed the trajectory of my life, and i wouldn't have ended up the 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 you know the the criminal type that I am today because I would have had more time to to put into constructive undertakings um but uh have you ever heard of this thing called you know it, it, are you aware of 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 these robotics competitions that go
1: on among high schools? Um, only through, uh, the fact that you have spoken about them before and ah, obviously okay. you post, um, uh, post videos, but you know, nothing, uh, and I'm sure pop- possibly something happens the same in the UK or, or in Europe. I don't know, but it's, but it's, it, it, does. it, did, it, it, it didn't, didn't happen with yeah, none of my children were involved. So I guess as, as parents, oh. you often only really have an idea what's going on in, in a high school world <laughs> if, if your kids have chosen to be involved in it. Wow. Huh. Well, it's interesting. So it was started by, by these two
0: guys, uh, one of whom was the, the co-inventor of the Segway, you know, that, that uh, robotically, gyroscopically controlled transportation device that was hailed as a revolution in transportation. And it probably is in some ways, but I don't think it ever took off to the degree that they expected. And, and one of the inventors uh, sadly rolled off a cliff on it and,
1: and, and died. But the one who did And And did you see, just as a, so a Segway there, um, did you see... Um... <laughs> Uh, Did you see that the uh, Segway introduced a new wheelchair at CES this year, which someone immediately crashed into a wall, injuring himself? Oh, God, I did not know that. (laughs) The Segway has an accident history, but there we are. Carry on anyway. Yes. (laughs) Right. So the the guy who did the Segway, not the one who died, the other one is. Yeah. Set some of this stuff up. Yep. Yeah. So he, he, and so the
0: idea being is that, you know, schools, public high schools with schools in general across the United States, absolutely. And I think to some degree in, in Europe, um, sports teams and, and clubs are, are, very important, but in the United States sports teams, uh, can be kind of almost the all encompassing activity for, for high schools, you know, non-academic activity. Um, and the football teams in particular, or basketball teams, like the, you know, all the, the energy, all the, the, the juice in the school, the kind of the, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the credibility or the kind of like, the, you know, the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of the, the, the shine that students have to be a, you know, a, you know a major personality at school, you know, if you're a football player or a star basketball team or everybody looks up to you and, and, and it's great and, and it's wonderful, but, you know, the chances of becoming a professional basketball player, football player, or sports team players is is very minimum. There certainly are some, but, you know, it's an almost infinitesimally small uh, portion of people who do it, which doesn't matter. I mean, it's worth doing it for the sake of doing it. But he had this idea saying, well, you know, what if there was something for nerds? What if there were something that was STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, math, where they would get the similar levels of of you know have the trappings of a team activity, um, and but that would actually provide opportunities where anybody who wanted to could go pro, just as such as the demand for for people who are skilled at mechanical engineering, software engineering, particularly as concerns robots, which are. are you know, critically important for manufacturing, just becoming increasingly important in our lives, um, and so he, this thing was started, and it, you know, it comprises junior leagues where the the robots are are built from from Legos with motors attached to it, and to a, a, a different league where the robots are custom made using you know aluminum and and lexan plastics and custom made parts that are milled with CNCs and and um, and something that uh, it's it's really astounding, and uh, so my child has been involved with it. And the way it works is basically in the beginning of the year january fourth fifth you know first week of january a a challenge is announced, and then you basically have sixty eight weeks to build a robot that can perform these challenges in a competition so that you have these you know regional competitions all over the world It, it is truly international um, and then eventually they 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 Finish up in, in a world championship that takes place in Houston and Detroit. And the the teams and, and what the, these kids are able to come up with is absolutely astounding. I'm mean, just amazed at how sophisticated the robots are. And there are some programs that have been going on for like 20 years And at schools where it's very well funded and the, and the robotics teams have their own physical buildings. And, you know, the the more typical one, it's done with some sponsoring teacher in a classroom or in some parent's garage or whatnot. Anyway, so my, my son got involved with it last year and he loved it and it's like, the, it's one of his most compelling interests, he he gives during build season his every waking hour to it that he possibly can, um, and so uh, the kids this year needed this was their their sixth year in competition. For the first four years of the team at his school, it was held in some kid's garage. That kid off at Stanford now, and, and last year it was the first year you know when it wasn't with that with that kid and his family who who, who really made it possible. Um, and So they worked out of out of a kind of a storage shed at the school, which the school, you know, begrudgingly let them use, and it was not very good, you know, for lots of different reasons. And they had to kind of there was no power in the in the they had to roll the, the the you know the the machinery in and out of it, and so on and so forth. It was freezing. It's kind of hard to do software development when you're shivering and it's raining out and and so forth. But anyway, they they made do, and they actually did really well last year. They did the best that they had, and and made it all the way to the the. The the world competition in Houston, and they were on a, a an alliance team um, that that where they won uh, in the San Francisco regional competition, and that's what brought them there. So it was really good. Everything was wonderful. And this year they were all set to to build on that, and so they they found a solution for not having a a a place to work in, and that they found some plans on on YouTube and built a, a wooden shed, a ten by sixteen uh, wooden shed which they did in less than two weeks. It was amazing and that gave them a place that they could work uh, late into the night when they needed to and on weekends when they otherwise wouldn't have access to a school. And it was really well done. They had a kind of a a nice IKEA couch and it had a big monitor and and they could have all their tools in there. And I was so proud of, of the kids for building this. And then on December 24th people broke in they stole a bunch of stuff they stole like four, thousand dollars of equipment you know, including all the power tools and they got a laptop that they opened from you know pried open from a from a from a uh, you know a, a metal um, metal storage uh, container and so yeah it was kind of heart disheartening but whatever you know the kids rallied we figured out how to to, to, to get the tools replaced but then again somebody broke in and this was this past 11th uh, January 11th um, and this was after they they saw how the thieves got in the first time. They they you know engineered a much better set of, of locking mechanisms and deadbolts, so the thieves couldn't get through the doors. They actually smashed through the the wall of of of, of, of the shed. It was amazing, you know. And uh, this time they took a lot more. I'm telling you all this sad tale. Um, because I think it, people come across these these problems, and and you know it's hard enough to deal with it if you're an adult, you're in a startup, you have you know all sorts of things can go wrong. These kids are are 14 and 15 years old and 16, you know, and and wow, they did really well. But one of the things that they did is they put up a GoFundMe page, which in less than a day made them enough money to replace the tools. Plus, there was an outpouring of support from other teams. Um, and alumni, and and even companies that supply these things. So I tell all this story. It has nothing to do with software development, except that it has to do with with building a team that that's working on something and dealing with adversity because, my gosh, this happens all the time. I remember all the struggles I had when I was building my companies, and I know that you had tons and tons of struggles with, to this day, building your company. And I think that these type of life lessons happen everywhere, and it's nice and heartening to see it when, when it you know, when it happens to kids, not that you wish bad things to happen to your kids, but to see it happen to kids and, and see them kind of receive outpouring from, from adults who, who show that they care and that they, they don't become cynical and that they learn how to, to work through problems because my gosh, segue again, there are problems in the world and that are going to fall on the shoulders of kids who are, are teenagers now. And isn't it nice to see that, engineering solutions and and the type of educated needed to to hands on education needed to be able to equip kids to deal with these things is happening that is my positive uh, start for 2020 i'm going to shut up now but i'll put a link in the show notes or something so people can can see a video that the kids made to see what's happening with it but i wanted to share that with our our audience member
1: well that is a positive story uh, i mean coming from a place of you know sadness or unpositivity or however you want to phrase it but uh, and I think the bit that um, I relate to, uh, or I, I can relate to our industry, maybe a little more, is amongst like the indie um, community where you know, because because you said there, even other teams reached out to help. You know, this is a com- competition. This is about winning. This is about um, uh, you know being first, getting to the world championships, re- re- winning your state or region or whatever. But at the end of the day. You know when you say things like um, other teams even reached out. Actually, what they show is actually and and all of that only actually makes sense if it's if the community is protected, if the if the community is valid. And I think it's very much the same in the indie software world. Yes, it's competitive. Some of us make uh, you know we're making software that can you know that that directly competes with each other. But I still love the fact that you know. Within the indie world, there is very much this. You know, uh, our health as an industry is important to us. Our ability to 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 be, you know, to have these um, types of small developer, one, two, three developer products is just as important as as is, is us being successful with us. And therefore, you know, where it, not just where it makes sense, sometimes even where it doesn't make sense. You know, there is a very much an outpouring of support and help and assistance uh, within our community to see that even your competitors are successful. Because one of the things um, you, I, I, I pretty much genuinely believe is there is very little indie software that is saturated its market. And therefore, if you have two competitors who are also indie, you know, the, the market is big enough for all of you. <laughs> you know? It's not about trying to steal, you know, you, you've probably got, you know, 2% between all of you. It's not about trying to steal the a few people from, you know, this other indie over here or this other indie because there's 98% of the market that's not yet been touched. And in many ways, you know, introducing that 98% of the market to any form of indie software is a benefit, Um so this whole aspect of of competition within a community that that values itself, uh, I think, is really important, and one of the things I like about being in, in in the Mac software industry. I think something of the iOS industry has it as well, but the iOS industry is so much larger uh, uh, in, in so many ways that that I think it it's it never. And and is newer that it didn't quite catch it, but definitely in the Mac software community, there is definitely that that sort of atmosphere to it, and um, I really enjoy being part of that, even though we're still struggling to get our products out the door properly. <laughs> indeed,
0: indeed, and and since I know we we are starting this first episode, looking back, I I remember fondly. Uh, Daniel Jalkut, my gosh, I'd never met him in person, but there was the original, you know, Mac Indie mailing list. And I had asked, I was struggling with with licensing code. And I can't remember even the name of the product it was that I was using that enabled you to to generate licenses for 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 Mac software. And he posted and, and gave his code. I, and I, w- I was shocked at the time. I had no idea. I mean, that was back when I thought, like, you never reveal source code. You never do that. It's like either, you know, and, and it was like so free. It's like, hey, here it is, you know. Oh, happy to help. I was, I was just so touched, um, and I think that 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 is the the mindset that we all need to have because I mean, we can all be success. We can all be much more successful when we're successful together. Um, anyway,
1: um, so so talking to Daniel Jelker, um I was listening to an episode of Core Intuition earlier today. I think it's probably not the latest one as we speak. It's probably uh, uh, one older. I think that's their first, their first one of the new year because they were far more organized um than us and and got a got an episode out earlier um or maybe they were more pressured and we 've just been enjoying our vacations more i don't know um but whatever way but they were talking about not making new year's resolutions Daniel and manton the the host of the show uh, but Daniel did go back to I think two thousand and eight where he found a, a a new year's resolution in an old text file from somewhere about you know, actually selling some software successfully that year is is an indie in in whatever else, so that's just making me thinking. You know, I'm not a big New Year's resolution fan, but it is the beginning of a new year. You do get a fresh look. In fact, it's the beginning of a new decade for some of us. Um. So, you know, what would you what would you like to see? uh, I'm not saying promises or resolutions, but is there anything that you're looking forward to in 2020 uh, for your career or technology or, or, or whatever that, you know? would would be just let's look forward just for a moment what what's exciting you about going forward this year mr fox um i
0: am somewhat i guess embarrassed because i feel like i'm late to the game but you know i am definitely an an old objective c mvc i like objects kind of guy um and uh, this is the year where where not not just even by necessity but by by choice and happiness you know switching to uh, uh, fully embracing the the, the programming para- paradigms that have 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 come along and been bubbling up and i think that in all also in fairness and honesty for for if you have long standing shipping apps you just you know it, it's one thing to build a brand new application with no installed base that's only going to you know can possibly work on the latest version of an os you know that, that you, it's it's easier to embrace the, the the newness in that one than you can w- when you have issues of backwards compatibility. But definitely in in this year for me personally, and I think our team as well, um, will be a huge transition year. Um, just because there's a, a critical mass of of users on platforms that can handle all the the the, the stuff that we want for. These new paradigms. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. That was kind of vague, but uh, I can't speak. In, in I'm not allowed that to speak was, in
1: specific. That was vague, so vague that it was like a mist before my eyes. But <laughs> oh, come on! It wasn't that vague. Yes, it was. I suppose it was. You but used words. A big difference. You, you, you used words like paradigm. Whenever the word paradigm comes out, yeah, it says, this, right, person, this person, this person either doesn't want me to know what they're talking about, or they don't know what they're talking they don't about. Know themselves. One, one of the two. <laughs> Oh, that's not entirely true. Okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. not. See, but uh, Mr. Nice Guy lasted about 23 minutes, I guess. That's true. But that but I was saying true. people in general, I wasn't pointing to you. No, you were. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, for, um, it's about shipping money well, obviously. Now, now, the silly thing is that that was also the one I think I probably said at the beginning of 2019. Um, and in 2019, January, when I said ship money well, I think probably at the back of my head at the time, although we weren't revealing dates we were thinking, by WWDC by the summer. Uh, and yet here we are a year later and still not shipped. And I'm probably still realistically thinking at the back of my head, by WWDC by the summer. <laughs> <laughs> so only a whole year, right? Never ask me to estimate yourself for a project. Uh, and in fairness, it's not just about uh, not understanding how long things take. It's about, you know, combining, you know, it's the... Sort of problem you have when you're trying to get a product established is the combining the client work with the um with the development work, and it's it's yeah you know, we we made some bad choices early on. We we weren't decisive enough in what our software should be and how it should go. We we tinkered as opposed to making hard decisions. We then maybe made some two bigger decisions. Um, So even though we've not released in the past year, I think we've learned a lot about managing a product. um, uh hopefully enough to not make some of these mistakes in the future. Uh I'm I, I think this year when I sit here and say ship money well and I have dates in the back of my head, I'm making those statements with far more uh data and information and understanding of what is required than maybe when I did last year. Um because yeah, this stuff is this stuff is hard. Um producing a product is a lot of hard work, particularly a fairly complex product, which MoneyWell is. It's a, you know, a budgeting app has a lot of moving parts. Um, equally, you're playing with people's financial data. You cannot afford to, you know, just you know, have bugs where data goes missing. Data integrity is everything. Data, uh, you know, um, you just do everything to not lose data. So anyway, so the only one I'm going to put there for this year is to is to really say to to ship MoneyWell. Um, as a tech thing, then obviously uh, one of the things that we didn't get to do last year that hopefully we'll get to this year is to learn learn how to sell a product better. Because <laughs> um, Moneywell still sells now; uh, it's still available for sale. We we are make, we're very plain about its limitations, um, of what it can't do at the moment, and the things we we so that people don't buy it by mistake. And it has a, a, a you know a, a trickle of sales, so it's not doing anything. But um, yeah, We don't market it in any way. We have a website, we try and keep the website up to date and accurate. So, um, actively promoting it is something that I'm sure we'll be talking about a lot this year on the podcast. So, the I think my subjects this year are going to be uh, that I'm going to be talking about is you know coming up to a big release, um, and marketing, and selling, and support, and all of those sort of things around it. So, um, and I'm not going to set any more goals than that, I don't think. Getting this thing out the darn door so we can actually say we've done it. And, of course, when you make a release, as, you, as you're well aware, that's when the real work starts. <laughs> so, there we go. Well, well, good. I mean, Scotty, I think that we
0: should continue our, our practice of, of having our podcast be short, sharp, shocked. I think we can have as, a, as a, a dual goal for both of us for the podcast is I think we should double our audience from one to two fractional
1: listeners. Do you think we can do that this year? Uh, I think we should be bold, John. Let's, let's, okay. I mean, we've always agreed that only ever one has to listen at it once. It's about dividing up the work. Let's be kind to our listeners, see if we can get up to, to four, so they only have to listen once a month each. That sounds completely <laughs> That sounds fair. like okay, we are being get, ge- to to generous lessons. souls in the community. <laughs> I- I'll tell you what would be another good goal for this year, um, is to get a review on... Uh, iTunes or the podcast app or whatever people use to do their podcast. It's been a long time since we've had a review or maybe it's not. Maybe we've had some several recently and it's been a long time since I've looked at them. I'm not sure which of those two statements is
0: true. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm you can start honest. out as a, as, as a proud fractional listener I
1: invite you to share the load. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so I'd love to see a review. <laughs> can we see a review during 2020? Is that not being ambitious enough? <laughs> 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 i don't know maybe we should have left it where we were john if people want to get hold of you and and, and tell you how amazing you were in 2019 and, and and how much they're looking forward to uh your even more amazingness in 2020 where should they do that
0: well you can find me on twitter where where michael curtis found me um and hello michael uh and and by saying that uh i can't remember what he, it was something snarky but um but Delightful. Uh, so you can find me as Jembe. I'm where I'm DJ E M B E, like the West African drum. And Scott, if people want to reach out and and touch you in a meaningful way, where might they do that on the
1: internet? They can do that on Twitter, is uh, MacDevNet. Or well, of course, they can get hold of both of us uh, by feedback at iDeveloper.co. Well, John, it's been uh, good to chat to you again this sure, year. We genuinely haven't chatted, I don't think, since our last recording. Literally just before Christmas, so uh, it, it's uh, it's been nice to hear your voice. Um, my ears were definitely the poorer for not having you in them recently. That's really <laughs> bad. <laughs> <laughs> and and the same goes to everyone else. Hopefully, you've all felt poorer for us not being in your ears, and and now you are satiated with the um yeah. the dulcet tones of our um complete drivel. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Until next time, (laughs) you take care. One day this will get better, but I'm not sure when. (laughs) It will get better when we stop.